0: So, good morning, and thank you for joining Mary Ann Gebauer Podcast, and I am so uh, excited to be joined by Dr. York Shung again. Um, Dr. York Shung, thank you so much for joining me this morning.
1: Well, thank you for having me on again.
0: So, um, Dr. Shung, tell me, you're in the midst of a very important judicial review in BC, where doctors are challenging, or healthcare workers are challenging, Dr. Bonnie Henry, for her persistent uh, persecution of unvaccinated healthcare workers, and in this case, physicians, uh, but maybe all healthcare workers. Um, can you bring me up to speed on what has happened since Monday, November 20th? What's been going on? Because there's been very little in the media.
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much for that. You know, so much has happened. Um we waited a long time for this, and it, it's finally happening. So we're delighted to see it. Now probably for your viewers I should explain a little bit about um, what this is all about and to clarify some misconceptions and so what we have um
0: what we have done is that
1: we have filed a petition which is bundled with several other petitioners um, to jointly review the actions of Dr Bonnie Henry that's called a judicial review a judicial review is not a trial that you would let's say watch on television in that there are no Um, expert witnesses who get up and testify, and there is no cross-examination of anybody. Essentially what it is, it's a presentation of the views by the petitioner lawyers to a judge who needs to make a decision about what a government body or government person, in this case is Dr. Bonnie Henry, what she has done. And so um, when we initially filed the um, petition, it was bundled together with three other petitions so there are four petitions that went into this at the beginning because the name of the um, first petitioner was a canadian society for um it's a csap group and it goes in an alphabetical order that name has persisted as the name of the petition that we're filing so number one thing is that the csap petition has been withdrawn for the judicial review. There is a separate CSAP application that's a class action suit against Bonnie Henry, which is not being heard at this judicial review. Nonetheless, because CSAP, um, in terms of alphabetical order, preceded the names of all the other petitioners. So if, if you go and look at the docket of what is being heard, it comes up as a CSAP group. And so that has been confusing for a number of people. So now we're down to three petitioner groups. Our lawyer, that's the Gall firm, represents two of those groups. And there's a separate uh, petition that's handled by the JCCF lawyers. And so that's what's going on. So, what has happened um, this week is that our lawyer representing Thesum and another group, um, we went first. So, for the first two and a half days, our lawyer was presenting our side of the argument um, when we first started it was very interesting i think they found us the smallest courtroom uh, that they possibly had um seating for only 25 people uh, it became quite obvious when we uh, when the number of people who were interested in hearing this probably i would i would say it maybe about between 40 to 50 and there was just it was packed it was standing room only and it was a great visual you know i went down to the um i think they call it the court office, if you like, um, they, they're they the people on the second floor of the courthouse who assign all the courtrooms. And I said that, is there some way you can um, move us to a larger courtroom? Because there's a lot of public interest in this, um, and there are, there are a lot of people standing. Um, and so when the court actually started and Justice Cobalt saw the situation, he was actually, I would say, very kind. And he said that because of this, a lot of public interest, Um, They took down the names of everyone's um, names and their emails of people who were there and said, well, instead of standing, we're going to send you a link. And so you can just follow this. Um, And then um, when he felt that that probably wasn't such a great idea, he then requested um, a short recess. So we got a larger courtroom. You know, so in a way, it's kind of like a little um, minor win for us um, in that we were given a larger courtroom. Um, which now had seating that could accommodate everybody. But, you know, the visual of it is that in the larger courtroom, maybe um, we could seat everybody, but it doesn't look as impressive in terms of how, you, how many people uh, are filling up the courtroom as it was with the smaller courtroom. Nonetheless, you know, that's how it proceeded. And I thought that um, uh, our had done a very, very good job uh, explaining the situation. In fact, the irony of the whole situation was not... Uh, um, did not escape me, and that you know, whenever we we um, buy, let's say, appliances or new things, there's always a disclaimer that's written in really small script, um, and it's all in legalese, and it's really to confuse us because no one can really understand that. The irony of it is that when lawyers talk to judges, they make it as simple and as clear as possible. Exactly the opposite of the public when we have to deal with the laws. And so what our lawyer was um, basically saying was he's trying to make it as clear as possible that our petition, and he's, re- he's representing two petitioner groups, um, are challenging the government on two issues. One is that, is it still reasonable that the uh, public health officer insists that there is still an emergency in British Columbia, which gives her these extraordinary powers to do whatever she, you know, if she wants to do? Regarding healthcare? And number two, is it still reasonable um, to keep the unvaccinated healthcare workers on the sideline, not working, perfectly healthy and able to work when the evidence that the government put forward, such as their claims of increased COVID amongst the unvaccinated, increased transmission of COVID amongst the unvaccinated, hence you cannot mix the two groups, when in fact, what we have done, and this is quite different than from a regular trial, if you like, when you are presenting your own evidence. What we have done is that we have used the government's own words in the, their affidavits that they have filed. So in the government's affidavits, and these this are, these are affidavits filed not by Bonnie Henry, but by her assistant, um, uh, a person by the name of Dr. Brian Emerson. So we have used the Emerson affidavits and the things that they claim and the um, references that they're using to make these claims to turn it around and attack the government. Because in the references that the government is referring to, it is in fact so contradictory to what Dr. Henry is doing. And so this is the key difference in that we are not introducing new facts. We're not challenging the government with our science versus their science. We're basically saying to the judge, look, is it still reasonable that they are making these claims that there's an emergency and hence there's a need to keep the unvaccinated healthcare workers on the sideline? Whereas in fact, if you look at the government's record of evidence that they have put forward, it is actually contradictory to what the government is actually saying. And I think that the judge understands that. Um, the government's lawyers get a chance to rebut next week and then we get to rebut their rebuttal. Um, so that's how it's going. For the second half of the week, um, it was the JCCF lawyers who were up presenting. And I, I wasn't in the courtroom when they presented. One of the key things with our legal team is that, um, you know, the government is going up against doctors, right? And so um, this is one area that we know well. And we have, uh, I would say, a, a number of very sharp positions who are actually going through all the government's um science that they have put forward and extracting where the contradictions are and I think that that is um th- that's our key to you know why our our, uh, our arguments are so clear and so succinct um and, and um yeah um I, I hope that um prevails and so What has happened at the end of the week is that for the JCCF, they had two lawyers and one of their lawyers uh, didn't turn up. I I think that she said that she was ill. Um, I'm not sure when she's coming back. Um, And there was a little bit of um, courtroom drama at the end of it um, because the government's lawyers wanted to adjourn um, until the JCCF, their second lawyer, could come back and finish that presentation. But the objection from our side is that, no, we don't want to adjourn. We want to go ahead. And the judge, in this case, um, ruled in our favor. So that's why the government, their lawyers are going to have to come back next week and rebut our our petition, um, which is a good thing. So, you know, I think any further delay um, is is good for the government. And that's what they want to do. Um, but it's not going to happen. The other thing I am going to say is that I was, I was very pleasantly surprised um, in the judge's um, His attitude, um, and probably when this was compared to a year ago, when we first uh, met with the judge, um, it seems like that since then, the judge is um, more aware of the situation, is interested uh, in our case, is asking very good questions, um, and he's very open um, about it. And so I think that that uh, bodes well for us, you know, but but we'll see. Uh, You know, so, so far, um, it's going well. I think we still have our work cut out for us, um, but I think that we're up to the challenge.
0: So the judge, when you say he's more aware, is this the same judge that you encountered last year?
1: It is the same judge.
0: So do you suspect he's had a change of heart or what? What? what's your read on this? He's more empathetic to your cause or? No, I, I don't think necessarily empathetic.
1: I, I think that um, over the past year, so much more is known. Right? You know, consider that a lot of the uh, mandates, let's say for travel or masking, have been dropped. Mandates across the country have been dropped. The WHO has said that this is all over. Well, this is very public knowledge. Um, and so the, the judge must have been exposed to this. And so here comes a group of people. Um, they're basically saying, well, in British Columbia, you know, you still have this um, ongoing emergency situation, you still have these unvaccinated healthcare workers um it is quite different than the rest of the country I, i'm sure that the judge is well aware of this so i think that's probably what has happened uh, what has happened is that time has happened and things have moved on
0: so when you when you talk about your lawyers pointing out the contradictions can you talk more specifically on that topic what what, um, what, what type of contradictions
1: well i would say that um let me give you an example okay so uh, let's say Dr. Bonnie Henry says that um, if you wanna work in healthcare, you have to get either the primary series booster or you have to get uh, this new monovalent uh, vaccine. Um, the contradictions to it is that in their own record, there are, they have cited evidence that um, viral load, viral shedding, infection, transmission is equivalent. And those who are unvaccinated versus those who are vaccinated. In addition to that, in their own evidence, they have actually cited papers showing that there is far less durability of the primary series, in other words, the first two shots, such that after about, let's say six months, there is no further advantage. So the healthcare workers who had the first two shots, it's now been about two years at least since then, any advantage in the primary series is long gone compared to the unvaccinated group. This is all in their record.
0: That's very interesting. And I think it's a very clever strategy to use their own uh their own affidavits, like Dr. Brian Emerson to use what he has issued or the references that he has made is quite clever.
1: Correct. And so I think that um Where our lawyers have succeeded in in this is that um, they have been very, very um, surgical in a sense of just trying to um, identify a small crack in the government's arguments and attack that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We're not we're not going after the whole thing. We're not talking about uh, constitutional challenges. We're not talking about um, reinstatement of everybody with back pay. We're not talking about any of that. Um, We're basically saying. Is this still reasonable? You know, And at some point, um, it has to end. You cannot have a forever emergency. It has to end. And everywhere else has ended it. So why is BC an outlier? And that's the key message in all of this.
0: Yeah, why BC? Can you share any other specific contradictions?
1: Um, yeah, yeah the, the, the government side, they're, they're floundering to come up with good reasons as to why they need to maintain this emergency and why they need to keep healthcare workers on the side. And so the government has put forward their submissions as, as we have. Um, we have seen the government's submissions, and it's primarily to and to confuse the judge um, because the judge is not there to judge science. Mm-hmm. And uh, there have been a number of people who have reached out to us and said, oh, you need to tell your lawyers about this article or this type of thing. Make sure that your lawyers include this in their arguments. In fact, um, the lawyers have considered all of that. We are not introducing new evidence. It's not going to be a he says, she says type of situation. We're going to use only what the government has said. And we're going to um, basically point out, what well, you said this, but you're also saying this. This con- completely contradicts what you're saying. So an example of this would be one of the things that they're describing is wastewater analysis of COVID as a reflection of COVID in the community. And so they're talking about wastewater analysis and there have been COVID cases, but in the government's own evidence, they have shown that the trend in terms of the amount of COVID that you can detect in the wastewater has been going down, straight down, probably over the last year or two years or so. but, you know, what, what they're saying is they're saying that we need to do these wastewater analyses uh, because it's a good reflection of the COVID in the community without actually saying that, oh, by the way, you know, um, the amount of COVID that we can actually identify has been going down. Now, there are a lot of scientific arguments why w- wastewater is not good. And scientific arguments is that, well, it depends on how many people are pooping at the same time. It, so, you know, wastewater analysis, you're going to have to um, sample. In different parts of british Columbia, and the waste and you know when the government is trying to tie covid and it's um let's say it's lethality to age wastewater analysis does not tell you the age of the person who's pooping right and so um it's it's a it's a way of trying to fudge things to try and confuse things to obfuscate um things and make it difficult for the judge himself to try and figure out what the heck is going on but again we're um we're using the government's own data to basically counter, you know, counter them.
0: That's right. You're, you're poking holes in their submissions. What are the main submissions that you're seeing the government make?
1: Well, the main submissions that the government's trying to obfuscate is that they're they're trying to confuse the judge with early COVID management, or let's say the alpha or, or delta um, strains, but we've moved on. We've moved on to Omicron. In fact, the most recent um, order by uh, Dr Bonnie Henry was October so we basically want to say well we're not going to go back in history and you know um, talk about the mandates in November 2021 we want to talk about the October 2023 mandate when things are now different when we don't have Alpha we don't have Delta we only have this newer variant of Omicron um, which in fact is way more mild than ever before Um, and so that's what the is trying to do is trying to mix up all these um severe cases of Omicron is trying to you know, uh, put in data about um, hospitalization is just out of control um, whereas in fact hospitalization in BC was out of control before the pandemic it's even worse now um and so and you know they got put in things like uh, wastewater tells us one thing um and so it is not they're not making it clear they're just if you like they, all they're doing is they're just muddying the water um, making the judge um, confused because um, as I was sitting there I was thinking about what the judge has to do right and so the judge is also in a kind of a difficult situation because the judge um, number one is not a scientist he's um, making a decision on a challenge against the government at a time when um, generally speaking um, the judges or, or the entire judicial system is very deferential to the government. Um, and probably in his own mind, he's thinking, well, if I let these unvaccinated healthcare workers come back, and if there is an explosion or an outbreak of cases in hospitals, will they all come back to blame me? You know, from his perspective, he doesn't want to be that person, the judge who allowed the unvaccinated healthcare workers to come back, which led to an outbreak of COVID in the hospitals. That's what he's weighing up. Has there been
0: any precedence of that in all the other provinces in Canada?
1: No, there has not. None that we're aware of. And so one would have thought that it's unlikely to happen, but I can see that from a personal perspective, from the judge's perspective, he has to be really sure about this. Um, And so, you know, again, um, we're just using all the government's own data to basically say that the unvaccinated in terms of their immunity against COVID is every bit as good as the vaccinated, if not better. And in fact, the government has references to that effect. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at the end of the day, um, the judge also realizes that our healthcare system is in crisis. It probably would help to some extent to bring back these um, unvaccinated healthcare workers. Um, but again, he has to balance it up against: um, Would there be any downsides uh, to his decision?
0: So the lawyer. the judge your sense is he is cautious and your sense is he is well-intentioned
1: well let's say i think he's very sympathetic to the fact that um number one there have been um thousands of healthcare workers who have been um, you know impacted by this he's sympathetic to the uh, um, realization that our healthcare system is not in a good situation um but he needs to be differential to the government in that the government who has the authority and one would have thought the expertise in knowing what is best, he has to defer to that. Um, And so I would say that um, uh, even if he is um, sympathetic and uh, a number of people have been harmed, at the end of the day, he has to judge what is legal and what isn't.
0: But how is BC different from other provinces in terms of that legality?
1: I think BC is different because we have Dr. Bonnie Henry, and that's why we're different.
0: Which means Dr. Bonnie Henry is not relying on science, or what, what's going on with Dr. Bonnie Henry? Why do you think she's so extreme?
1: <laughs> I, I think the the reason is that um, now this is this is my personal belief because. Um, um, if you um, read the science and if you look at your own data, you know that the number of cases is going down. The number of hospitalizations and deaths is going down. Um, the criteria you set up in terms of the diagnosis based on PCR is not 100% reliable. Yet overall, you've got over 90 uh, 95% of the population vaccinated. So from that perspective, if that's what you want to achieve, with so-called herd immunity through vaccination, um, then you have achieved it. Um, the fact is, is that COVID is really going away. You have said it. You have said that COVID is going to be with us probably forever, uh, but it's, we're going to manage it. Likely manage any other respiratory infection. And in fact, she has said that, and we have actually used that against that. So, the provincial health officer already admits the fact that it, it is an en- endemic situation. So the real reason is. If it's endemic and the unvaccinated, um, in all likelihood, have natural immunity because it's endemic, um, why are you not bringing them back? So the only conclusion I have is that this is ideologically driven. There is absolutely no science behind any of this. And so in our province, unfortunately, um, the policies that are still in place are ideologically driven compared to other places where maybe um, they're not so ideologically driven. You know, they're driven more by reviewing what is um, uh, available in terms of uh, published scientific studies, and that's 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 the primary difference. The other uh, issue is that, and again, this is my opinion. Maybe Dr. Henry is under the gun by the Minister of Health, and he is the ideologue, and he's the one that, for whatever reason, wants to keep these unvaccinated healthcare workers on the sideline. I don't know. Um, I'm guessing maybe he thinks that they are all non-ndp supporters i find that rather unusual because um the vast majority of the unvaccinated healthcare workers are union members the nurses um and so i don't know what's going on but um there is no to me rational reason um for what is actually happening in bc now a rational reason is not um any type of um Way to actually introduce it into um, into a court, right? Nobody wants to hear about a rational reason. Uh, people want to hear about what is factual and what is legal.
0: So the ideology that Dr. Bonnie Henry may be holding on to, how expand on what you think that ideology is?
1: Oh, this is just pure speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm speculating that um, she was um, um, she was challenged and she lost. Um, by trying to introduce mandatory flu vaccin- vaccinations for nurses uh, back in uh, 2018, I think the challenge was in some like 2019, and she lost. Um, and maybe she has, and this is speculation. Maybe she has an axe to grind mm-hmm. against the nurses. Um, and so, so who knows?
0: Um, that may that may explain this this persistence. What is the situation across Canada with mandatory vaccines for nurses?
1: Um, the situation. Sorry, COVID prior to COVID prior to COVID there was an um uh, I don't know for sure but I suspect that it was probably on um an elective basis so you could choose um such as you know what happened in in BC regarding flu vaccines is that you could choose to have the flu vaccine when it was recommended that you have it or if you didn't take it then you had to be as a healthcare worker you had to mask up um at work Um, and i suspect that that probably was a similar policy across the country but you know i I don't know for sure
0: Mm -hmm. so maybe bonnie henry is just more militant or aggressive in her position
1: well she comes from a military background that's that's for sure she she was in the canadian military for some time
0: well that's interesting i didn't realize that now is dr bonnie henry going to be present and speak
1: no unfortunately you know that that's One of the things that I have also learned, because, you know, we're actually um, asking the judge to rule on her um, mandates. And she herself, number one, does not need to appear. And number two, does not actually need to put in her own affidavit. She can put in the affidavit of her junior member, uh, which I find is quite, uh, quite intriguing. Like, why wouldn't you put in what you really think is going on?
0: That that Uh, does seem odd it's a it sense all- there's, a, there's a protective bubble around her you know almost like teflon that she can't be touched and yet she's the one giving the directives but no one can question her directly there's like no accountability in a sense
1: well um we're getting accountability now but uh, it is unfortunate that she doesn't make a, a personal appearance here or doesn't put in a personal affidavit but i think that that's That's just the way it's set up, you know. And so I gather that this is not unusual um, when you're questioning a a government official.
0: So they are, in a sense, above the law.
1: Well, I wouldn't say above the law because we're now in a court of law, um, you know, uh, arguing over um, the orders that she has put forward.
0: Yes. And yet she does not need to defend her orders. Not personally. Remarkable.
1: It is. It is.
0: It's a little bit alarming
1: it is well uh, you know it's um it, it's it's interesting and disappointing both at the same time
0: i agree i agree now what is the best case scenario or outcome this judicial review will wrap up in after one more week right
1: correct and then the judge is going to need to take some time to you know to make his decision so we expect his decision will probably come out um, sometime in the new year maybe late january or february the best um, outcome for us, obviously, if, is if the judge rules in our favor, saying that there is no there is no longer an emergency, um, which would deny the provincial health officer to have all these sweeping powers. Um, and secondly, the unvaccinated healthcare workers may go back to work, just like everywhere else in Canada. That would be the best for us.
0: Right. So didn't you say that she, Dr. Bonnie Henry has already stated that there is no in in some forms, there is no emergency anymore,
1: right? Well, she has basically said that um, indirectly. She's basically said, well, um, in her orders, she claims that there is still an ongoing emergency and a need to be vigilant against future variants. Um, but at the same time, um, she has also said, um, these are not in her orders. These are from, uh, I would say... Um, videos of her when she was uh, speaking publicly saying that um um COVID is now very mild we've got a lot of um, um vaccines into the population there's a good amount of community immunity as a result of this um the uh, variants are not of much concern it is now endemic we should be able to handle this um like we handle all other respiratory viruses there is a difference you know she you now on one hand when she's talking publicly she's not saying there is no more emergency when she's talking in her mandate, she's saying there is an emergency.
0: Exactly. Very contradictory. So these are the type of contradictions that your lawyers are pulling out. That is correct. Do you have any expert witnesses like Dr. Stephen Pellick, who can talk about you know, the immunity of the unvaccinated as being on par or superior? Do you have expert witnesses like him who are able to present?
1: We we do. And we have provided that evidence the government also has an expert witness and they have submitted their evidence as well we have used the government's expert witnesses their um conclusions and their references that they use to make their conclusions and turn around to attack the government to, again to show the inconsistencies that mm-hmm. their own expert witness is saying
0: that's interesting so you're not introducing new expert witnesses To support your claim you're using their expert witnesses and poking holes in their arguments
1: correct we have expert witnesses and we have introduced um the opinions from our expert witnesses but we're not relying on that we are primarily using whatever evidence the government has put forward and turning around and using against them
0: which is i i like the sound of that strategy it keeps it simple and it's targeted
1: yes and so i would say that there have been a number of people who have come up to me either personally or through uh, email saying that you should, you know, tell your lawyer this, introduce this. And I must say to, to, to all of them, thanks very much, you know, for that suggestion. It's very interesting. But in fact, our case is very solid the way it is. Exactly. Um, we, we really cannot introduce new information, number one, that the government has not seen before. And number two, we're not going to introduce um, studies to allow the government to then turn around and say, well, this is kind of a lousy study. We have a better study. And then it becomes a he said, she said thing. Exactly. We're not going there. We're not going there. It's very clear what thing. we're doing. right it's
0: Very strategic. So, <laughs> the, what is the track record of the law firm that you're working with?
1: You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, the main lawyer, Peter Gall, he's, um he's, they used to call it Queen's Council, and now it's called King's Council. Um, and I think that that represents a very high standard yes. um, that you have to achieve. Right.
0: And so, your group has worked with him all along. You did um not our group, legal correct. representation
1: our group was recommended um, to go with their firm
0: right. and so you are part of the doctors. Let me just get the, the the name of the group that you are part of is the Canadian remind me here
1: We're the um so I'm a member of the Canadian Society for Science and Ethics in medicine. Um, our petition um includes our group as well as a nursing group
0: and the nursing group is also then represented by Peter Gall. Correct, and then you've got JCCF lawyers representing who?
1: Uh, they represent healthcare workers. Um, I, I I think they represent the healthcare workers are. I don't know them. I haven't read their affidavits. I, I think they are um, uh, healthcare administrators, um, physicians, possibly nurses, um, and so it, it's kind of similar, you know, to our group.
0: But you said that they're taking a different strategy, perhaps slightly less effective. What what strategy do you see them taking?
1: Well, I haven't actually been in the courtroom, so I haven't actually um, heard what strategy that they're taking. Um, I, I I know that um, because I was there on when I was there, and, and our lawyer had finished. Uh, the judge had basically um, said to the JCCF lawyer that you have a very large application, and you have included a number of scientific articles or reports um, I am not in a position to judge science that's what the judge says and so I think he doesn't like it you know um, and so he's not going to get into because he number one he's he's not a physician or a scientist he's not going to get into a situation where he has to judge is your study better than the government study this type of thing
0: right so we talked about possible outcomes let's talk more about possible outcomes. So the best case scenario you outlined, tell me some more possibilities.
1: Well, the other possibility uh, is that we, we are denied, right? And if we're denied, um, it's gonna affect not just us, but I, I, as a, all British Columbians, because you're not gonna have um, access um, to the thousands of healthcare workers, experienced, willing to work, um, They're they're gonna leave. And I think that's the worst case Mm -hmm. outcome. There is an outcome in between. And the outcome in between is that um, the healthcare workers are allowed to come back to work. But in fact, and this um, may be, this has also happened in other situations where um, the unvaccinated have come back to work and there is, I wouldn't call it um, outright hostility, but there isn't the camaraderie at work anymore that you used to have. Um, And I've spoken to two groups about this. it's um it's very it's very sad you know to to uh, hear when people say well we worked with um our co-workers for decades maybe 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 more we worked very well together but as a result of covid and then we had to make a decision and then we were split apart and so when you come back to work um people will say I don't know what they would say but I don't know what they would think and it was like well you didn't take one for the team you know, we were here. We had to work without you. We had to work harder without you. Um, even though we got vaccinated, we all got sick anyway. You know, our absenteeism is really sky high. You know, you yes. you know, without actually admitting to the fact that you probably were smarter not to get vaccinated. You know, you've been you've been out of work, but you're healthy. You know, um, I I don't know what that will be. And I think that's a that's a third scenario in that if you make people um, unwelcome back to work. That would be a bad outcome too, mm-hmm. uh, because um, if you're made unwelcome, uh, you're probably going to leave. Um, so I think that the longer this goes on, the more likely, since you know COVID's COVID's over, and the, and the government has to recognize that this has to end at some point. Um, but the longer this goes on, the longer that that separation, that chasm, will it, it will just enlarge um, between these two groups, and I think that's very unfortunate.
0: That is really unfortunate. And yet it's understandable. There would be that sense that I stayed, I succumbed to the vaccine, something which probably I didn't want, but I took mm-hmm. out of an obligation, or I took it to keep my job. And mm-hmm. now you prance back in here and you're back working and you did what I wish I had done. I think subconsciously there would be resentment. So it's I think completely, so. Completely understandable. And it's so unfortunate because right. everyone is a victim here. And do you sense that the vaccinated healthcare workers resent or regret their decision?
1: I think that there is considerable regret over their decision. We just don't know how many. Um, Because I think that, um, let's say, uh, the most common thing is that since the vaccine um, cannot prevent infection or transmission, the mere fact that you're going to take it and you're going to get sick with COVID regardless. Mm -hmm. And so, the realization is that, hey, I took this vaccine. It's supposed to help me not get sick, but I got sick anyway. Um, and so I don't know at what point, hopefully they only took you know the primary series too, um, but if they took more, if they took four or five, six shots, the more shots you you take, the worse you're going to be. Um, and so that is also clearly borne out. There, there are a number of studies that have shown that. Uh, and probably um, as a worker, you probably have seen your coworkers, every one of them who's all vaccinated, they're all off sick um yeah so I think that there is a lot of regret over that and I'm sure that people would say if I had to do it again I you know I don't know what I would do you know it never should have been mandatory it should have been an elective situation it should have been like you know the previous flu vaccine where you had the option you could either take the vaccine or wear a mask um I I think that um there there definitely is regret now uh, if someone was severely injured from the vaccine and I fortunately it is rare but you know if you get injured it's potentially very serious and i know that there's still a lot of denial um uh, especially amongst physicians you know you're not allowed to talk about this openly um but if you are the victim let's say of a severe vaccine injury there's got to be considerable regret over the fact that you you chose this to in order to keep your job now let's say you can't do your job you know um it's just it's horrible
0: It's such a tragedy, so unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk about the absenteeism that you're witnessing in the healthcare sector amongst the vaccinated healthcare workers.
1: Well, I'm I'm not working, so I'm not witnessing anything. Um, But from what I read, uh, absenteeism is really quite high. I think the normal absenteeism is maybe about two to three percent of the working um, population. That's let's say the healthcare workers. Um, At the height of Omicron, absenteeism was about 10%, you know, um, three to five times higher than the normal expected.
0: And since the vaccine was introduced, what is absenteeism? Have you seen any data?
1: I haven't seen any data on that. Um, but I imagine that absenteeism is, you know, it's, it's still there because absenteeism um, is may not simply just be from COVID. Absenteeism may be from the fact that you're overworked now because your co-workers are off sick, so you've got to put in more shifts, you got to work harder. you know obviously that will uh, have an impact on your health as well. So I suspect that absenteeism is still quite high.
0: Yes. Well, this is something that employers are complaining about across Canada, across the world is that everyone is sick. The number of sick days have skyrocketed and these are with the vaccinated employees. So it's not unique to the healthcare sector. I think it's across right. the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk to me more about the number of healthcare workers that used to be in B.C., for example, the number of members of the nurses union before and after COVID.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And um, I sort of stumbled upon that because um, something else I'm really interested in is in Bill 36. Uh, and I tried to understand the origin of Bill 36 as um Um, written by a UK regulator by the name of Harry Caton. So Harry Caton, he issued his report, known as the Caton Report, uh, in 2018. And reading through the report, what struck me as very interesting was the fact that Mr. Caton had actually identified the total number of healthcare workers in B.C., the largest of which, and this is 2018, was represented by the BC Nurses Union, which is the union for all the nurses. It's for the registered nurses, the LPNs, the care aides, um, practical nurses. And at that time in 2018, the total number of nurses total, 55,000 in British Columbia. So I thought that was really kind of interesting statistic. So I, I very simply um, looked up BC Nurses Union in 2023, and they have 48,000 members. So they're short. They're short 7,000 nurses. And I thought, wow, that's kind of an interesting figure. Now, I was trying to relate to the fact that are these the nurses who left during COVID and were never replaced? And then um, because the official government statistic on the number of terminated healthcare workers is around about 3,000. But that's only the terminated healthcare workers. It does not include any of the workers who basically took early retirement, like myself which yeah. is estimated to be anywhere of maybe up to about three times that number. So um, eight or 9,000 healthcare workers in total left as a result of the COVID mandates. Now of that, the vast majority of healthcare workers are nurses. So if you think that eight or 9,000 at the time left, then quite simply 7,000 of them probably were nurses. So if 7,000 nurses were either took early retirement or were terminated with the COVID mandates, that in fact coincides with a difference in a total number of nurses represented by the BC Nurses Union of about 7,000. So what I'm saying is that the nurses who have left as a result of the COVID mandates, the total number has not been replenished. Um, Adrian Dix may go on and talk about all these four nurses that he's hiring, well, the foreign nurses in all likelihood probably are only keeping up with normal attrition as a result of increasing age and taking retirement by the current nurses who have been vaccinated it in no way replenishes the absent seven thousand nurses and in fact the, the the likelihood is that it's impossible to replace these seven thousand nurses uh, because you're not going to get an infusion of Seven thousand foreign nurses um you know i was reading a, an interesting article today that in the philippines where the majority of these foreign nurses come from the philippines government is now looking at why they have over 200 000 excess deaths in the philippines and very soon they're going to be tying it to vaccination given that if that comes out do you think the filipino nurses would come to bc where there is mandatory COVID vaccination whereas in their own country they're going to show that there's excess mortality especially amongst the younger working population of um of death um, likely as a result of the COVID vaccine i think that this is going to be um, a real eye-opener you know uh, for them it's it's going to change a lot of the dynamics i think that it's also happening right now where you have Far fewer recruitments to nursing. It's going to be harder um, to actually find nurses to replace this the missing seven thousand positions. So how are we possibly going to get our healthcare system, you know, back online? Um, we're uh, no amount of money um, by simply throwing at this problem is going to, is going to correct it. Um, there has to be some quite significant changes that have to be made.
0: Well, and you made a comment in an earlier conversation that the vast majority of the nurses that left were seasoned, experienced, high-level le- high nurses. That's so right. How do you replace those? Um, um, you can't. You can't. So here, people like you, your experienced surgeon from BGH, your professor of surgery from you know UBC, and now you're out. You've been required to leave because you would not disclose your vaccine status so we have high level professionals like you who are no longer in the system and we have a crisis a healthcare crisis i mean everyone in bc is talking about it the most logical course of action is to bring all of you back with a carrot you know lure you back because i'm sure some of you who took retirement early retirement have decided, no, it's a toxic environment in BC. I don't want to be that. But in my mind, I would be enticing you back because we're desperate in BC.
1: I think that's absolutely correct. And I was speaking to one of my uh, physician colleagues and he's, you know, he's a member of our uh, physician group, CSUM. Uh, he's now in the States. And so he's in Ohio and he's a general surgeon. Um, he's probably early to mid-career, has a young family. And um, so he, um, He's doing okay financially, his family's happy in Ohio, but he absolutely hates their healthcare system. He hates what he's doing. He couldn't, he, he can't wait to come back to British Columbia if only he was allowed to. And you know, that's just terrible. That's just, it's it's absolutely terrible. This is heartbreaking. You
0: know,
1: it is, you know, this is his home. He's been forced to go to another country. Um, he's probably okay, but he's not practicing um, and contributing In the best way possible.
0: And you know, I have I have two family members. I have two nieces who are nurses, mid twenties. Both of them cannot work. And the irony (laughs) is both of them worked in the COVID ward. And then they were shown the door when they refused the vaccine. Right. And they're mid twenties, they're fresh, they're young, they're healthy, they're never sick, and they're eager to work. Neither of them have been able to find. You know, comparable work. I think one of them is working doing oral, you know, dental surgery, and the other has not been able to find nursing work, of course, and can't right. leave. You know, very, very often these younger nurses, they can't leave the province. They have families, they have spouses. It's not right. so easy to go to Alberta or another province and right. welcome them. And it's, yeah. heartbreaking. It it's is. heartbreaking. It
1: is heartbreaking. The absolute worst story I heard, and this was told to me by a nurse, in fact, um, she worked on our ward, and she told me that um on for her last shift and she knew she was going to get terminated at the end of it they came up to her at the end of her shift and said and pleaded can you please do another shift and these are 12-hour shifts so she like a, a good dutiful nurse did an additional 12 hours and then got fired can you imagine your employer knows that you're short wants you to work an extra shift and then fires you at the end it's that's, it, you know, it, that's criminal.
0: It's criminal. I'll share another story in my in my husband's family in Kelowna. Know of a nurse who got the first vaccine, and it made her go blind. Oh, god! So she refused the second vaccine because she was now blind. So they right. fired. So they fired her. Huh. Okay. So here she is without disability. She was terminated because she refused the second vaccine, but she's blind as a vaccine injury. Immediately mm. after the vaccine, she went blind and has not recovered. And, and oh, this is the lunacy. This is, it's insanity. I, I don't know any other way to depict it, but it, it's very, very discouraging. Do you yeah. suspect, mm-hmm. give me your best estimate of what you think the outcome is going to be here, because it's so important in our province. Are you optimistic?
1: Um. I would like to say that we are but you know it's it's still a coin toss because um, you know the judge still has to show deference to the government right um the only good thing is that all the other governments have allowed the healthcare workers to come back so it's not as if he has to go out on a limb mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. our arguments are very good um and so i think it may be if, if they separated the petitions probably um, you know the judge will look favorably upon us and i certainly hope so um but i i still think that it's a bit of a, a coin toss and we're just gonna have to wait to see what the government lawyers come back with yes. um in a way i'm kind of surprised that it has gone on for so long especially with so much more evidence you know coming out you know, the other provinces dropping the mandates the who says it's over why in bc are we still doing this it makes doesn't make any sense
0: it makes no sense and and your comment about the philippines with so many excess deaths there And it doesn't, you know, these, these nurses in the Philippines are going to quickly realize the vaccine is detrimental to their health. Why would they come to BC where they're requiring a vaccine that is no longer effective? That's correct. The vaccine number one and two are not effective anymore. They're, they're, it's redundant. So it, it seems so strange. I mean, is that an argument that's being brought up at all? That why are you mandating a vaccine that has clearly been declared to be ineffective?
1: Right. And so specifically specifically for these Filipino nurses, why wouldn't you go to a place that doesn't have a vaccine mandate?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Why would you come here? And why would you come into a very toxic environment? Because I would imagine it's pretty toxic in the BC BC system right now. Um, I thought it was quite intriguing on the American Thanksgiving, the CDC on Twitter made an announcement and said, because of all the family gatherings over Thanksgiving, everyone go and get your booster. (laughs) 99% of the comments on Twitter were very negative, violent. I I found that fascinating. Comments like, I would rather eat raw turkey than get another vaccine. So what I found intriguing was uh, on the CDC website, when they made this announcement, the response was very negative. No one wants a vaccine anymore. Anyone who has done their homework realizes that perhaps they shouldn't have, and they don't want anymore.
1: Yeah, so I think it is the,
0: bizarre that Bonnie Henry is holding on to this um, right. so persistently.
1: Yeah, but you know um, the Americans are are quite different from us, and so mm-hmm. I think that in terms of the booster uptake um, amongst Americans, it's very low. My guess is that um, probably ten to fifteen percent. But I think amongst British Columbians, booster uptake is maybe about forty percent. It's quite surprising why the population here believes bonnie henry so much you know um
0: it's um it's almost like mind control that whisper you know she sounds like a primary school teacher and it elicits maybe trust um Um, it's uh, peculiar it's yes well
1: yeah i i I never listened to her so maybe i'm I'm not under my control I,
0: i make a point of not listening to her as well um in terms of flu shots is there more hesitancy now for flu shots do you think are people skeptical across the board with any vaccines now
1: Um, You know, I don't know the answer to that. I suspect that uh, in British Columbia, probably not so much, um, sad to say. Mm -hmm. Um, In other areas, primarily the states, I think that um, there's a a lot of hesitancy, especially over all of the childhood uh, vaccines.
0: Yes, that's what I've heard. In the U.S., there's been a huge drop in flu vaccines and childhood vaccines. People are just saying, (laughs) no, they're realizing that no vaccines have ever been tested with a placebo. Which right. is when, when you first hear that, you think, "No, how can that be?" Every medicine must be checked or tested against a placebo, except vaccines. And yet, vaccines are so widely distributed; it's bizarre.
1: It is. Yeah. Does that
0: make Does that make any sense to you?
1: Uh, no, but you know, a lot of things don't make sense anymore.
0: No, it All feels right. like the world is upside down. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one quick question: Patricia Daly is quite a big figure in Vancouver, um, with the Vancouver Health Authority, and she made some peculiar comments that I was maybe reading between the lines. She was kind of contradicting Bonnie Henry sometimes. She made a plea for UBC students and professors not to be vaccinated, not to mandate it, and made a suggestion that people be vaccinated, well, that the government wanted people to, the mandates were in place to get the numbers up, not to prevent COVID, but to get the numbers up. Do you sense that Patricia Daly is hmm, a little bit of a rebel? What What's your sense of her? Have you watched her at all?
1: Um, well, I, I know Patricia Daly since um, I, I worked at VGH, and that's where she is, too. Um, she's not the only one who has made uh, comments like this. Um, I think that there are a number of physicians who, who are saying this, but, but usually they're using it um, as a result or uh, because they have done published research that supports what they're saying, or they're reading the um, published articles in a way that supports what they're saying. Um, they're very careful with their words, though, because they're, they're still employed, you know, and I can understand that and that you don't want to come out as being a, 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 an extreme rebel because you likely will get terminated. Um, you know, if you said something that was really quite drastic compared to the official narrative from the provincial health officer. But I think it's good that, you know, that they are speaking out um, based on their observations, based on their science. Um, so, I, I th- you know, I, I welcome it. We have used um, some of Patricia Daly's uh, comments. Uh, directly and say that here is a medical officer. and This is what the medical officer is saying.
0: Exactly. Because she has directly contradicted Bonnie Henry many times. But like you say, very carefully. Mm-hmm. And you almost have right. to read between the lines when she speaks. Uh, but I found her to be, I always liked her before COVID. I mm-hmm. always respected her. Uh, and I was actually surprised that she didn't speak up immediately. But maybe for her, it was a choice between the position and you know she would yeah. maybe maybe she'd be in your boat she would have been dismissed however do they have to get the vaccine do people like patricia Daly have to get it or are they immune
1: yeah. oh no, no no um they all have to get it. if you if you are um, a physician working in a hospital um, you have to uh, be vaccinated the only physicians who do not are those physicians who are in so-called private practice in other words you have your own office like a family doctor um, you don't go into the hospital at all. Um, and there you have the option of whether you want to be vaccinated or not. But if you are working in a hospital, um, you have to get vaccinated. I, I got a little reminder that um, my phone is going to die within a, a couple of minutes.
0: Oh, okay. We'll wrap this up then. So essentially, uh-huh. the vaccine mandate does apply to these people. One quick it question does. is, do you think... Because often I've heard that healthcare workers have been encouraged to go to healthcare clinics or vaccine centers within the hospital, and some doctors in Toronto have told me that the people in their hospitals who have suffered injuries or died did not go to the hospital clinics; they went outside to public clinics. Have you heard that at all? Circulating. Uh, I,
1: I have not heard that. You know, I I am aware that there's some batches are are worse than others. Uh, but I'm not aware of any conscious effort to make put bad batches in one area versus another. Uh, so I, I, I don't know about that. But that's very I, unfortunate.
0: It, it's very unfortunate. I spoke to someone who's with the US embassies and they told me that they were mandated to go to their in-house vaccine clinics, not to go to the community ones. And uh, I, I thought that was intriguing. And that also was the case with a lot of the pharmaceutical companies. They had in-house clinics where their staff were to go. So my sense is the batches are not all the same.
1: Correct. The batches are and, not and, the same. And
0: we know that. How mm-hmm. bad is your batch uh, shows a clear clustering of injuries from certain batches. It's mm-hmm. there's, there's not random. The injuries are right. not random. So, right. well, you know what, Dr. York, Shung, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the update. Uh, if we can, I think at the end of next week, we could perhaps speak again and you can give us an update on the second week of this judicial review in B.C., but thank you so much for your time. You're most welcome. Okay, keep up the fight. And Great. may this meet be uh, a good one.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again.
0: Okay, thank you.
1: Take care.